Hey everybody, welcome to Ravens Recap. We've officially announced our name, we have our website. Hopefully that's how you found us, but if not, you found us in iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher of choice. That's awesome. We're so happy to have you. And I've been saying it for a while, and the guys finally succumbed to my will. Let's talk about the defense. Yeah. Defense. A little bit of <laughs> behind the scenes. Originally, we threw out the idea of recording back-to-back episodes back when we did the draft podcast. We didn't because we were exhausted after doing that podcast. <laughs> but it turns out that was the right move because, man, quite a bit has happened with the Ravens and the defense since the last time we guys spoke. Yeah, definitely. Well, I guess why don't, uh, why, why don't we get into it a little bit, talk about some of the new additions here. I think one one huge name that everybody's going to be talking about this year is going to be Earl Thomas. Absolutely, safety from Seattle. Man, I'm like so excited to have a all pro level safety again. It's been quite a minute since Ed Reed was here, and Ed, Ed Reed was my guy. I'm hoping Earl Thomas is going to be that player for us at least for the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, with all due respect to Eric Weddle, who did do a really good job while he was here. Weddle didn't have the the speed and the deep coverage ability to just be anywhere in the backfield at any time like Ed Reed did when he was with the Ravens. And Earl Thomas does. You can make a lot of parallels between the style that Thomas plays and the style that Reed plays. So it's it's something that the Ravens have needed and should be exciting. That brings up a good point when uh, you brought up Eric Weddle, Peter. And we had a question on here of what is Eric Weddle's ultimate legacy uh, in Baltimore? What's going to be his mark, I think, that he left on the time that he was here? What do you guys think? The ice cream, man. It had to be the ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's another note I had as well. Um, I mean, Weddle's time here, he obviously brought some stability to the safety position did he make the Pro Bowl each of the three years that he was here? I think so. I want to um, say, yeah. I know the last two years, especially last year, there was some talk about maybe he just got in by name recognition because there was talk that he may have lost a step. But like Alex said, he also brought a level of just, he was a great fan ambassador for the Ravens as well. He always had a funny quip, always was very open about praising teammates and giving fans a window into the daily life of these players. And with both him and Suggs were both, I feel like, the most outspoken players on the team, especially on the defensive side. So with both Suggs and Weddle leaving, that's uh, some big leadership shoes that need to be filled by the guys who are still here and the new guys like Thomas who are in a new locker room. Yeah, even though it may have been he lost a step, I mean, you could you could kind of see it a little bit. But to be honest, I mean, I think maybe when he came here, maybe we thought that we were getting kind of the next Ed Reed, the next Ball Hawk, and you know, for the first for the first year, probably for the first two years, I, I think he was that guy. Maybe not to the same level, but he he did a he did a really good job. But even last year, it, I think we we got a little bit. We got we still got a good player. I think there's a, a number of highlights in my head. I think of, of Weddle having some really tight coverage and making some good plays, good pass deflections. The the one that sticks out in my head is he was, I think, all over Julio Jones, I think, in the Atlanta game. 
I mean, he made a couple good pass breakups there, but you know, we didn't get the the splash plays, I guess the interceptions that maybe we kind of expected kind of from that free safety position. I mean, uh, let's face it, I mean, we're a little spoiled a little bit, you know, <laughs> having Ed Reed for so long. But, you know, ultimately, I think we'll definitely miss him, but we got a great replacement with Earl Thomas. You know, we won't miss him that much. I think we'll miss him a lot more from like a locker room kind of presence. But Earl Thomas is no joke in the locker room. I feel like that might be a wash. Like he might, he's not as entertaining. He's not as a media figure per se, but he's going to be on the highlight reel getting all those INTs. So it ain't going to matter. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not that Earl Thomas isn't that. It, it's like um, a coworker that you have a really good time with, you know, for a couple of years. You know, you get to know him, you know, like the personality, hang out with them really well. It's like, you know, you miss you miss that from a little i think you know it's you know he did a good job he's a good guy to hang around with uh, awesome awesome presence and you know you, you you can't replace that it's it's not so much for the team but as like a fan it's definitely hard to lose someone like that so then we got pernell mcphee the legend is back pernell i'm so excited for that i hope he reclaims his glory here i'm not so sure if it'll actually happen but i want him to come back and have a big year Maybe uh, eight sacks or so. That'd be a huge year for Pernell. That would be huge if he's able to do that. I mean, Pernell McPhee, his final year in Baltimore, very similar to Zadarius Smith, who we'll get to later, just put all his potential together in his fourth year and just had a total breakout year. Seven and a half sacks. I'm looking here on pro football reference, 26 quarterback hits. Yeah, he was a good player. And then, unfortunately, he's had... um, some unlucky spouts with injuries during his time with the bears and last year in, in Washington, but maybe he can finally get healthy and at least have a little bit of his, uh, former self on this year's team. Yeah, I guess, uh, to be honest, when I, when I first heard the signing of, uh, of him and Shane Ray from, from the Broncos, I wasn't sure if we're kind of expecting these guys to, come in and make the roster and be rotational players for us or whether we were just kind of taking a flyer on both of them just to see maybe one you know maybe two guys to back up some of our younger players i'm still not sure whether both of them are going to make it or not i I don't know i guess we'll find out the closer we get into training camp preseason but i don't think the ravens know either yeah i think they pick these guys and they're they're hoping that they either with with Ray, you're hoping that he comes through and really finally sees all his potential. He's had some good flashes, but you're hoping that he comes all together and is that first-round pick that everyone expected at the Broncos. With Purnell, you're like, okay, hopefully he's healthy now. Hopefully he can be a nice rotational player. But it gives a, a fire under the pants of guys like Tim Williams to be like, you know, you need to really produce now because these other guys are going to be also knocking at the door for, for snaps. And it's also not just about this year. It's about next year and future seasons as well because Matt Judon, if I'm not mistaken, his contract is up after this season. And we saw the big bucks that Zadarius Smith got after really with only one plus year, really. Judon's arguably had at least two, you can maybe argue three. You fully expect him to build on that and have a really good year this year. He's going to get more than what the Packers gave Zadarius on the open market. Yeah, and and our good buddy Harbaugh was saying that he looks great, good conditioning, etc. 
unlike our boy Michael Pierce, but yes, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> Big Bubba and <laughs> Michael Pierce. <laughs> so yeah, I guess that's a transition to another topic that we talked about Zadarius Smith, we talked about the fact you're going to have to pay Judon and Michael Pierce if he has a good year this year. CJ Mosley also left with a big contract. That's a move that I think we've talked about it in the somewhat in the first, previous two podcasts. We like Peanut. We like the potential of Kenny Young. But I'm pretty sure Mosley is the first former first-round pick that the Ravens have had who's made at least one Pro Bowl who the Ravens did not resign to a second contract. And yeah, that's that's crazy. And I think we all agree that no way you give him the contract the Jets did. But you got to wonder, did the Ravens slightly drop the ball here with not trying to get him wrapped up before the start of last season? I don't know if you could have, because if he believed in himself, he might have been one of those guys that's like, no, I'm not going to take the contract. Because I think I don't think his performance last year made him the money that he's making now. Last year, he wasn't particularly anything special compared to years prior. He had already established that level of play, in my opinion. I agree. So I think the the issue is you might have gotten him for 12, 13 mil, not the, like, what was the 17 mil that he went? Yeah, the 17 million. <laughs> Maybe you're comfortable with that. But com- uh, honestly, I'm not. I honestly am kind of happy he left because that just seems like a huge contract for what he is. Correct. Yeah. Maybe Maybe I'm spoiled having the greatest of all time, Ray Lewis, as my benchmark. But he ain't no Ray. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like he's he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. He came up big in the Cleveland game. But I don't think he's a $17 million player. I think that was a, a, a mistake, honestly. But I, I, I hope he proves me wrong. Obviously, I hope he has a huge year. I hope he's the greatest to ever play, whatever. But I don't think he is going to be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm I'm okay with the Ravens saying we'll pass. Honestly, the issue we have right now. So I went on the Ravens website and I was looking at their um, their depth chart. <laughs> they haven't updated it since last season. They just delete people. <laughs> so <laughs> so for the rush position, there's only the third person, Tim Williams. And then for linebacker, you have Peanut and Kenny in the same line but no middle linebacker, so you know he'll switch over. But yeah, actually, our defense looks really thinned out, according to the Ravens website, because they have not updated it based off of the uh, acquisitions made. <laughs> yeah, we have no wide receiver two or wide receiver three. I just brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's still kind of up in the air. There's a lot of injuries right now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's tough, too, with the Ravens just coming you know, off of a big salary with shows uh, you know it's really tough to go back and put a lot of money into another player especially when we're sort of rebuilding rebuild's kind of like a weird buzzword i think but i mean we we are kind of transitioning at least the offense a little retooling. bit retooling Not yeah it's i mean it's still it's still tough to give up that much money for when you're trying to retool you don't know what's going to come out of it and you want to make sure you can get a lot of good players at a lot of positions so i can definitely understand it Definitely still a little sad, but I've got confidence in Peanut. You know, he definitely showed a lot near the tail end of last year. He definitely improved a lot as the season went on. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think another thing that'll be interesting to watch with Mosley, 
before we were starting this episode, I was thinking the other day about players who thrived on the Ravens, not to the level of Mosley, maybe, but if you think about past guys like throwing out really old names there, but Ed Hartwell, Kelly Gregg, Gary Baxter, Darnell Ellerby. Like I said, these guys didn't ha- make the same amount of Pro Bowls Mosley did, but they had success on the Ravens, and Ravens let them go. And really, these guys only played a couple more years at best, and then they were out of the NFL. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> the best c- comparison is Bart Scott. Yes. He went to the same team. That, that's true, yeah. And absolutely. honestly... Same number, too. <laughs> he's going to be... I, 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 think, <laughs> I think it's going to be just like that. And that's okay. Bart Scott didn't play poorly, but he wasn't like the savior. Exactly. Right? He's not going to take your defense and uplift them. The then. Jets would be happy with that. They made two AFC championship games in a row. They'd be happy if they got that with Mosley. <laughs> they ain't going to the ship because we're going to the ship. <laughs> well, I, I mean, we could have went there too, unfortunately. <laughs> I remember that year, man. That sucked. Got Scott's stats up. He played four more years after leaving the Ravens in 2008. Averaged around, looks like, 75, 78 tackles a year, around two and a half sacks a season. It's not terrible, but it was a downgrade over his production with the Ravens from 2005 through 2008. He's averaging around 85 tackles, five to six sacks a season. But like you said, the Jets did have about a three, four year window of success with the Sanchez and Scott. So... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if I recall, too, he, he kind of took on that Ray Lewis type of role of definitely more of the uh, heart and soul of that team with, with Rex, you know. And, I mean, yeah, given the Sanchez, right, I mean, <laughs> you can't, you know, we all know what, you know, Mark Sanchez, you know, what type of player he, he was and everything, but they definitely overachieved for those couple of years. Oh, you know, absolutely. They yeah. did. I mean, it, it was it was a real surprise, I think. Do you guys think that the Ravens are going to still pick up a middle linebacker? later on in the free agency pool or late round cuts, et cetera. I could definitely see us taking one for like a, a late round cut the season, you know, a week or two before the season starts. We'll obviously have to see where our roster kind of shakes down by then, but I could definitely see it. Yeah. If for depth for nothing else, I mean, you've got peanut and Kenny young. I'm trying to remember, is there any other inside linebackers on the roster currently? I always thought that Tyus Bowser was kind of an inside linebacker, but then they're like, oh, no, he's an edge rusher. So Yeah, I mean, we don't want another um, Kamale Correa. That Correa. Yes. Yeah, we Kamale don't want another Correa. Correa situation where, you know, he, he thrived as an outside guy and put him in his inside and he wasn't very good. We don't want that again. <laughs> yeah, he actually had a somewhat decent year in Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, I think he, I don't know if he was a starter, but he was definitely a rotational player, I think, for them. I'll say I'm definitely disappointed that Zach Orr had to cut his career short because we wouldn't maybe be having this conversation if he was still a guy on the squad. That is true, yeah. Injuries, man, unfortunately. It's a part of the game, and his really sucked. That's just... Yeah, just like Pitta. Such a freak thing. Well, the crazy part is that he was on the top of his game, and he found it out during the offseason, you know? <laughs> it wasn't even like he was... Uh, he had a moment to be like, oh, I, I hurt myself, I'm done. yeah. Well, wasn't it before the last game of the season back in 2016? He like got hurt in the Steelers game, I believe. And while they were, while he got the MRI for that injury, I think is when they found it. 
Oh, perhaps I, that's the case. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it was something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was interesting. I know I I, uh, I saw, I think a question from from someone on Reddit the other day of asking who's the best undrafted inside linebacker that the Ravens have had, and uh, I know a lot of people definitely said Zach or, you know, you're definitely kind of a fan favorite at least for that, you know, the one year was it 2016? Yes, 2016, 130 total tackles. Yeah, man, he wow. was a beast. Mm. Such a beast. I think, I think though, if, if Peanut turns out to have a really good year this year, I, I think he could take that title, to be honest. I mean, he's he's already been a pretty good player this year. The year before, he was all right. You know, probably didn't have the stats that you would want for, like, a full-time starter. But if he has two good seasons in a row, I think he could he could, he could be that guy. But, yeah, man, it, it, would, be, it would be nice if we had... <laughs> you know Mosley or you know Peanut if we just had all these good inside linebackers because then yeah we'd feel a lot more comfortable letting Mosley go just because we know we'd have already so much depth behind them but hey that's what happens right it's turnover that's the NFL so we've talked about Weddle and Zedarius leaving but I think the highest impact maybe not from a current date uh, and current state of his NFL career but as far as legacy, was Terrell Suggs leaving and heading out to Arizona? If you think about it, now that he's gone, the only player left on the Ravens' defense who was part of when Ray Lewis was still there was Jimmy Smith, if you can imagine that. Yeah. But, I mean, Suggs has been a part of the Ravens since 2003, and obviously a huge locker room presence. When Ray left, it was kind of the responsibility of being the main leader fell to him and that's going to be interesting to see who steps up and is the new sizzle for the Ravens yeah something still doesn't just feel right seeing him in that Cardinals jersey I saw that link you put in the in the notes man I the Cardinals uniform just isn't badass enough for Suggs he just looks he doesn't look as tough (laughs) (laughs) well I mean when they'll put on their black ones at some point that, those will be nice. I do like their he, black uniforms. I mean, I get that. I get that a raven is only so fearsome as well. But I just, I just can't take the cardinal is just such an unthreatening bird, especially for Suggs. <laughs> At least the raven has an ominous poem attached to it. Yeah. <laughs> Peter, I was hoping you would go in some voice—the voice of the cardinal versus the voice of the raven. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll miss Suggs. I'll miss Suggs as much as the next guy. But I think I think the production will be missing. We'll miss the presence. We'll miss the enthusiasm. We'll miss that flex that he does when he came out. That's the biggest thing, right? Like yep. home games, defense, introduction. Who's going to be that guy that they're like, ah! <laughs> it's going to be, Mo- uh, I think it's going to be Humphrey. <laughs> we'll be like, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> no, man, we can have like a whole like conversation on that. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, because... You know, ever since Ray left, I mean, Ray Ray was Ray was the lifeblood of the defense introduction at home games, right? When he left, it was just so boring. I mean, we had Sizzle, and Sizzle would do his thing, but no one would do anything else. Like Joe, you know, he's not a rah rah guy. Joe, you know, I mean, there were so many other players like that. You know, Stanley would come out like just put an arm up, and like I know they're not rah rah guys, but it's just you know, there's no, there's so little energy, and now with Sizzle gone, oh, man. Someone's got to take it. I feel like 
offensive introductions with Lamar and Holiday, they might just go into a whole dance number. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I could see those two guys. They seem like the best of buds already. Oh, man. Hopefully we have more to talk about in the next couple months with Hollywood because, yeah, I'm definitely excited to see him play. Yeah. He's got to heal up his foot. Absolutely. So the Ravens did bring in Earl Thomas, huge signing. I think we could argue that if they were able to bring in Gerald McCoy, that would have also been a really big signing. Maybe not quite as big, but what do we think about that whole debacle? It seemed like for a while Gerald McCoy was really going to come here, and then the Panthers swooped in. Apparently him and Cam Newton really hit it off is what we're hearing, but... (laughs) I'm okay with it. I'm sure you just wanted to play... Tampa twice a year. I think so too. Yeah, that's probably. You know, and you can't to do with you it. can't fault a guy for that. It, it's definitely interesting, though. I I feel like we haven't had a we haven't had many players. I think of uh, vets, defensive vets that we bring in that at least on the defensive line, like um, Corey Redding. I think was a, was a guy who came in for I think I think it was like a year or two back in like 2010, 2011, and you know he was. Nobody really knew who he was. You know, he was just a vet. He'd been around a couple teams, but he came for us, man. He was a really good starting player for us. And we got a lot of production out of him for peanuts, frankly, right? And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, McCoy probably wouldn't have been that same value, I think, but uh, could have had a, a similar impact, I think. You know, it's just it's just tough to say, you know, whether we're going to get a that impact from some of our younger guys. Not right away. I agree with that. Although it does also bring up an interesting point that I hadn't really thought about, but hearing some people talk about it on the radio or in some articles talking about how McCoy was was really a different type of interior lineman than the Ravens currently have on the roster. Guy who can bring pressure up the middle and actually be a threat to sack the quarterback much more often than, say, a Brandon Williams or a Michael Pierce would. And it does make you wonder, have the Ravens been drafting too many, when it comes to the defensive linemen, too many of the same guy, same style of player? Uh, do you mean more like the big run-stuffing guys? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I mean, as far as their position goes, I mean, yeah, I, I guess. Um, it's that uh, defensive end, I get you know, I guess it's defensive end. I, I always can't remember the three, four that we run, like what positions are, but I think it's defensive end. It's that third guy of um, trying to find a player that fits into that spot. Cause I feel like we've haven't had, we've had a lot of rotational guys there. I think, you know, no one's truly made like a huge impact. I think it's also just one of those harder positions to draft for. Fair. Defensive end is notoriously difficult to draft for defensive tackle, nose tackle, not so much. I think that's an easier one that transitions one-to-one in the NFL. And I, I would bet you, if we looked back at all the picks we've made, it wasn't for a lack of trying. It's just the hit rate's not as good. Yeah, that is true. I mean, if you really think right now in the NFL, interior lineman, pressured quarterback, you're thinking McCoy, you're thinking Darnold, you're thinking Sue. Not really too many guys outside of that. Unfortunately, we lost guys like Zadarius, Brent Urban. We have those holes now. We've got some young guys, Sack Daddy, for instance, some second-year players as well. I'll be honest, I feel like the depth in the front seven is a little bit lacking. 
that's partially because it's just very unproven. And I trust that the Ravens are really good at finding those kinds of guys. Even if they're not going to be game breakers, they might be game non-losers, right? <laughs> they're, they're not going to they're not gonna ruin everything for us. And when you have a secondary like we do, we haven't gone there yet. Our secondary, I don't know who you pick on. Even our fourth best corner is excellent. He would start on teams. Oh, yeah. Our fourth corner is starting on teams. We have safeties. We have two good, like two great safeties. I think our backup safeties aren't half bad either. Sean Elliott, yep. It's exactly just Sean Elliott. I think I think if we had gone Mosley and didn't have the money to get Thomas, Elliott would be a huge story this year. So the question really is, how is Elliott going to see the field more? Hey, that's the best problem to have, especially. It's a great problem. Some of these recent years, like 2014, you're just seeing Shockey Brown and uh, Will Hill just get beat on these couldn't even trust the last two minutes of the game if the Ravens didn't have the football because you knew that you knew who the the opposing offense was going to pick on you don't have that problem now you can throw out whoever (laughs) it's a different NFL as well so like we talk about the three four the four three etc but no one's really running those packages full stop anymore it's almost always some sort of a nickel package there's always a third corner out there oh absolutely and I think that's another reason why it was a good idea for the Ravens to give an extension to Tavon Young. Sure, he's the third cornerback, but that's basically a starting position now in today's NFL. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But yeah, that's uh, the secondary depth that the Ravens have right now is going to come in useful this year. Because now in the AFC North, you know, used to be we all, the Ravens only had four games in the AFC North against competent quarterbacks. Now you have six. (laughs) (laughs) That's high praise. I mean, Roethlisberger's older, but you know he's still got some left in the tank. Baker Mayfield's on the upswing, and Andy Dalton's not that great, but he always seems to find a way to at least one of the games against the Ravens to burn us for a bit there. So... (laughs) Well, it's always a function of, is A.J. Green playing? If so, we're fucked. <laughs> yes, I think. <laughs> uh, gosh, there was like one game last year. No, definitely not last year. Sorry, two years ago, where the Ravens were able to shut down a healthy A.J. Green. And that was just like the one time I can think of it happening. <laughs> you know, I don't like to give away fantasy sleepers, but I feel like a healthy A.J. Green... He's a fantasy sleeper this year. He's a year. fantasy sleeper. I mean, he's always a top. He's always a top fantasy guy when he's healthy. <laughs> I think he's undervalued at the moment. That's all I'm saying. We shall see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now that I said that, he's going to be overpriced in our auction line. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But this is not a fantasy football podcast. All right. So let's let's go to the the idea that I had from another podcast. The idea being. If you look at the projected stars on the defense, are all these guys true stars on other teams in the league? Or are these guys just <laughs> putting somebody in because we have to? Because my comparison is the Ravens wide receivers last year probably aren't starting on other teams. No. Right? Like not from two years ago either. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't think yeah. Even even our number one, he might be a third receiver on other teams. But he isn't like a one or two. Has anyone picked up Crabtree yet? Wait, so I was going to say, who who was your number one last year? 
our number one was uh, Mark Andrews. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I don't know. If you go number one of uh, Michael Crabtree, I don't think he's been picked up this year. But John Brown has. John Brown's a good player. Candidly, I think it's kind of sad that he fell off so hard. He fell off before Flacco got hurt. But then afterwards, when it was Lamar time, it was like he didn't exist. And I don't quite understand why. He was still obviously a weapon. And there were a few times they made connections. And it was like, oh, good, great. But for some reason, they didn't decide to continue with that. I will say... I'm super excited for the new offense. I'm super excited to see what happens next. Apparently, Lamar's throwing pretty well now. Like, you can definitely see an improvement. And like I said in previous shows, a little bit of an improvement out of Lamar will mean great things because I don't think it's actually going to take too much to be a competent passer. I think he was, I don't even think he was that bad last year. But I think you take a few bad throws out of the game. You know, if he had three or four last time, maybe make it one now. And you hit a few more passes it'll be a huge difference. It's not going to take much. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's backtrack a second. Let's go back to the original question you had. Which one of our starters would be starters on other teams? Zach Seiler, definitely not a starter on other teams. Just going off the current depth chart. <laughs> Wait, what's that? Sorry. I'd... Zach Seiler is currently our defensive end. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. <laughs> Even over uh, Wormley? Wormley's not even listed on the depth chart currently on Ravens.com. No, sorry, sorry. He is. Defensive tackle. Number one, defensive tackle. <laughs> yeah, because um, Brandon Williams and Michael Pierce are both listed as nose tackles. Right. Okay. But I, I feel like they they jumble those guys around on the line anyway, depending on the play. Yeah, it really depends. Right. So let's just say... Let's just say the Ravens' three starters, to start off this topic, are on the defensive line... Chris Wormley, Brandon Williams, Michael Pierce. Which is what ESPN has, by the okay. way. I think ESPN is a little bit better. They actually have the new players. Right, we'll switch to that. <laughs> so all those guys, I think I think Chris Wormley is the biggest question mark. I would say at least half the teams in the NFL, maybe a little under half the teams in the NFL, have a guy like Chris Wormley playing. A little unproven, young, but has potential. But everyone else, I mean, Michael Pierce and Brandon Williams are best in their positions. They're great players. Yeah, I, I was going to say Michael Pierce for sure. Although, um, after his uh, recent arrival into training camp, uh, who knows what kind of player he's going to be this year. Hopefully he he's returns to form. Boy. He's a big boy. <laughs> big boy. I'll be honest, I'm a little nervous about giving him a big contract. You come in your contract year looking like that, that's that's questionable. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what was going through his head, man. I have no idea. Definitely don't want to balloon up to 400 pounds. <laughs> Dude, it's no joke. You just look at him. You're like, I know you were big before. Like, that looks... <laughs> yeah, like... hold up. Wait a minute. <laughs> that doesn't look correct. <laughs> yeah. Must have been going to uh, Vince Wilfork's barbecue restaurant over the over the break or something. Eating there every day. So our linebackers are looking like Tyus Bowser, Peanut, Kenny Young... And Judon, backed up by Jalen Ferguson and Tim Williams. I think that's not that bad of a bunch. I would say Tyus Bowser is the biggest question mark, but you got a promising rookie right behind him. So that's not bad. Kenny Young, 
He's not a starter on all, maybe not on all teams, but I think on most teams he's a starter. I think based on his potential of what we saw last year, I'm really interested to see what step he takes this year. I think that he can, but I do also remember there were some games last year that he was activated for where you barely heard his name being called. So I think consistency is the biggest thing Kenny Young has to work on this year. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I think Peanut, I think he's a starter on most teams. Judon, probably. He's actually, I feel like he has some of that too of, of you don't hear his name all the time. At the end of the day, he does have some good stats. But I feel like, you know, it's there are a lot of games where you don't hear anything, maybe a couple tackles, no sacks. And then there's some games he goes off and has like three or four sacks. The Titans game, I think, was one of those. Titans game. He actually had a really good game against the Chiefs last year, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a, uh, a couple of forced fumbles, I think. Mm-hmm. And a sack. That game still makes me sad. Yep. We should have won that game. I don't think Kenny Young is, is a starter yet. I think he's solidly still rotation. I mean, you know, obviously he's probably going to be starting for us, but starter on other teams, I'm not sure. I think he'd be a rotational player at best on other teams. But secondary, is anybody not starting? Our fourth corner is starting on most teams. Like, that's that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, hell, man, even even who are fifth and sixth? Everett. Jean Baptiste. Justin Bethel. He had a really good preseason last year. We never got to see what he could do in the regular season because of his injury, but if he comes back from that, he could be a, a contributor this year. Maurice Kennedy? Yeah, Maurice Kennedy's no joke. I feel like we're going to drop one of those guys. Chuck Clark. We haven't talked about Chuck Clark yet. Sheesh. Honestly, one of these guys are not going to make the roster, and some other team's going to benefit, and they're going to have him as a rotational player. No joke. We're going to have... Our scraps are going to be rotational players on other teams from the secondary perspective. What a great place to be in as the Ravens. Maybe that's how we get the other inside linebacker. Maybe they make a trade during the preseason. Trade bait, yeah. I think they need to. Honestly, like we were talking about it with Jimmy Smith. I think there might be a trade that makes sense. For Jimmy Smith, I'd be surprised. But maybe someone like Jean-Baptiste, they could get something back for that. They could be a, a... Maybe a, a veteran more towards the end of his career can come in and coach up Kenny Young and, and Peanut. I think the Ravens are actually a little higher on Jimmy Smith than we may have been hinting at in the previous podcasts. There's definitely been a love affair in the media, at least. Which is what I'm basing it on, which admittedly is not much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I mean, we'll see, right? You know, maybe there might be a trade incoming or something, but I, it's hard to see other teams wanting to take on that contract. That's true. Yeah, he is the highest play, paid player on the team now that uh, now that Flacco's gone. Yeah. So I'm so, fine with sticking him with him sticking around another year. I like Jimmy, but I'm a little biased. Why are you biased? Oh, I don't know. He's my favorite player. I wanted the Ravens to uh, <laughs> draft him in 2011. I gotcha. was so excited gotcha. for him and Torrey Smith. I was like, I was hoping that we would get them our first two picks, and we did, and I was so excited. Hey, I mean, both those guys have made contributions. Yeah. So now we've talked about starters. Which young players do you think need to step up for this year to be successful? Well, I think Kenny Young, like we have already hinted at, some combination of, and hopefully both, but we might be asking for too much, of the Tyus Bowser and Tim Williams club. Jalen Ferguson, the rookie, yep. you know. Two, one or two of those guys would be great. All three, excellent. Well. One or two. <laughs> That's yeah. That I'd be surprised if that was the case, but that would, that would be the dream. <laughs> yeah. To be frank, I mean, I, I don't 
I don't really expect much from Ferguson this year, at, at least usually how we play our rookies. To have him come in and be an impact player day one and just kind of ride out the whole season, I'm not really expecting that. If we get a handful of sacks from him this year as a rotational player, I think that would be good. I do feel, though, like Tim Williams is kind of like the linchpin, though. It's definitely been our weakness, has been in the past for us. We need someone else to step up, particularly with Suggs being gone. And I, I think I think Tim, for me, is probably the guy. We've seen a little bit more from him, I think, than Bowser. So, I mean, he would be my first pick. Wasn't it a bold prediction that Jalen Ferguson would have 12 sacks or something like that? <laughs> what happened to that? Was that mine? I'm not somebody. I gotta listen to the old like podcast. That. We, we no. gotta we gotta go back and write down all these uh, bold predictions so we can have a, a big recap at the end of the season. Yeah, that's that's for next time. Maybe, See, that's why uh, I called it a bold the... prediction, man. <laughs> it's bold. Didn't, didn't mean I believe it. <laughs> I think we're gonna be a top five or ten defense this year. I, I wouldn't be, even be surprised if we're in the top three. We were the top defense last year. I'd be shocked if we fell further than middle of the of the 10 honestly maybe maybe as far as six we're a great defense we can't be stopped <laughs> so an interesting stat that i found out today on pro football reference ravens finished last year in the top 3 in both yards given up and points allowed first for yards second for points you guys want to know how long it had been since the Ravens had finished that high in both categories? Take a guess. 2001. Chris, you have a guess? 2006. So the answer is actually 2011. They finished third in both categories. Whoa! Oh, yeah. No, I forgot that, man. And this is is interesting, and I think adds to Alex's argument that the Ravens can absolutely still be a top three defense. So as far as points given up, 2008 through 2011... They were in third for all four of those years. Yards given up, they were second, third, tenth, and third. Then they fell drastically, by drastically by Ravens terms, 2012 through 2017. I mean, you got them finishing 17th in yards, 12th, 8th two years in a row, 7th and 12th. Points are pretty similar to that as well. If I'm not mistaken, that was when uh, Dean Pease took over, wasn't it? <laughs> we're gonna play this game now <laughs> i mean you know ravens fans have been saying it forever that that dean pease while he was good was holding the ravens back from being great first year under wink martindale you've got the ravens back to the dominance they were at from 2008 through 2011 well in the past the ravens thrived when they were risky you know they they would roll the dice and they would win and i think Dean Pease, he didn't want to roll the dice. And that was the biggest difference. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. The Ravens will usually felt really conservative at the end of games under Pease. Not so much with, with Wink. I mean, the, the last, the last uh, drive for the Browns last year, right? Wasn't it four blitzes in a row? Yeah. Before Mosley got that pick? <laughs> it's a swagger thing, guys. It was a swagger thing. We came out as a defense under Wink, being like, "We're gonna, we're gonna destroy you. You're gonna go three and out. Agree. You're not gonna get yards. You're not gonna get a touchdown. And we're gonna, we're gonna humiliate you in the process. It wasn't just like we're gonna stop you. We're gonna like make sure you don't score points. It was like you're not gonna get stopped, 
and get humiliated. And I don't think <laughs> I don't think Peace was about that. That's my that's my take. I think Peace was like, I'm trying to make sure we have a good defense. He was a guy trying not to lose. While Wink's like, I want to win and in style. <laughs> that's kind of my take. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that. <laughs> I wonder. Speaking of swagger, we got so much swagger here. I wonder. Remember when? Uh, when Ray Lewis did the advertisements for the Old Spice <laughs> Swagger Man, I still can't get yeah. that image. That image that? Yeah, of he he ate the orb that came out of the Old Spice, and then he had seven heads. <laughs> it's like a fantasy, only it's real. Man, those are some bizarre ads. Maybe that's why they wanted him to do the Swagger commercials. Man, he had so much swagger. Ravens defense. Yep. So I think we're all agreeing the Ravens defense definitely a top top ten defense maybe even higher this year. We're not too worried about slippage. Yeah, I'm trying to think who was, I mean who was the top five last year, right? It was, I mean we were in there, the Bears were in there. I don't Bring Texans top five. So I'll give you this piece to think about. The NFL right now very pass happy. We discussed how good our secondary is. Okay, so they decide to run. I don't think our run defense is going to be that bad. Like even if our run defense is middle of the road to a slightly above average, with our pass defense being so high, I think it will skew the dynamics such that we're looking good. I can agree with that. So looking at the top ten defenses from last year from a yardage standpoint, going from ten to one, it was Detroit, the Chargers, Tennessee, Dallas, Pittsburgh, Jacksonville. Minnesota, Chicago, Buffalo, and then the Ravens. Hmm. Okay. Um, the Chargers, I could definitely see still being in top five, top ten this year. I think they've got a nice young squad. Derwin James, great pickup last year. Jacksonville, <laughs> I don't know about Jacksonville. We'll see if they return to form or whether that yeah. year was a one-hit wonder. I'm surprised how high they were last year, especially considering a lot of people were considering them a disappointment, obviously record-wise, but it felt like their defense wasn't as good as last year either. Yeah, I think, weren't they embarrassed a little by uh, Derrick Henry? (laughs) Some long, long, uh, long runs. (laughs) Was was that the Jacksonville game? That was, yeah, where he got the four touchdowns and saved someone's fantasy season. I don't know who... I don't know how many people were starting him at that point. <laughs> I think I had a bye week that week, and I had him. <laughs> it would have got me like 50 points. I was really sad. That was a really, yeah, that was a really disappointing fantasy season. If we uh, have more time in another episode, we can talk about that. That'll have to be as uh, when we get into the actual season, we'll have to have you know some on-air trash talk in, <laughs> within our league. <laughs> That's right. So let's let's go to the other ones. So um, so Tennessee was on there. We'll see. I mean, you know, they're going to be a Dean Pease defense, so you know they might be top ten, but you know, how how good will they be? Who knows? They've got some. They definitely got some young talent there, though. Buffalo, probably. I remember them being kind of a surprise. We kind of blew them out the first week, but after that, I think they Only really covered. <laughs> yeah, particularly their defense, though. I think they ended up being. Really stout defense, actually. So they might come back. Chicago, though, I feel like they're I, I feel like they're the biggest question mark for me to drop. They've lost a couple players. 
who knows where they 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 will end up. I don't know. Minnesota might still be there. I think defense. Let's let's just say this from a fantasy football perspective, which I understand is not that important when it comes to actual defense, but it's really really difficult to predict good defenses a year ahead. Similar to quarterback situations, we're not very good at predicting who the best quarterbacks will be. Defense is not much different, except yeah, the Ravens. Very, yes, right. <laughs> That'd be number one. So there are some teams that are consistently very good, but you can't say that they're the best. Like, for instance, Aaron Rodgers, consistently a very good quarterback, but never necessarily number one, like not always the value that you put at him in the fantasy uh, draft board. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm always tying fantasy back to the actual stats. <laughs> yeah, from the from fantasy perspective, defense is very volatile. So we had in our document nada going into the Ring of Honor, but not until 2020. How do you feel about that? So Brian Billick is going to be inducted in 2019 during the Cleveland halftime of the Cleveland game, and Haloti Nada is 2020. His first uh, induction in a while, looks like. First induction since 2015, Ed Reed, uh, which capped a... F- is it really been that long? According to the Ravens' website. Oh, my goodness. I remember when Todd Heap was inducted. Which was 2014. Oh yeah, 2011 through 2015, you had... One induction a year. You had Stover, oh Jamal, goodness. then Ray, then Heap, and then Reed. I feel so old. <laughs> right, man? I feel so old. I feel as though it was not very long ago that I was at that game watching Heap get inducted and posting it on my Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I remember that game, man. We, we were there. We were uh, watching that game together. That's right. Mm. Yeah, the Carolina Panthers fans with their uh, goggles on because Steve Smith said there was going to be blood and guts in that game. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, they were sitting pretty close to us. They had their uh, jerseys stained with some, some red dye and, and had like chemistry lab safety goggles on. It was pretty funny. <laughs> well, Nada was an incredible player. I'll never forget the highlights of him playing rugby and absolutely annihilating people on that field. Yeah, that man was a beast. He was definitely coming into to training camp in shape. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he was one of those guys, if you saw him in person, he just looked unbelievable. He has such a physique. He was so tall. He was so big. You just, you're like, this is a person? He exists on this planet? I can't remember what game it was, but I remember Haloti got, like, it was either fumble recovery or an interception. And he comes to the side, running into the sideline, and John Harbaugh comes in for the chest bump. <laughs> I know and John Harbaugh <laughs> goes, goes flat on the ground, and Nada doesn't even move. <laughs> I remember that, actually. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, and how can we ever forget the time Haloti Nada on Sunday Night Football just completely broke Ben Roethlisberger's nose? That's the number one highlight. <laughs> yeah, that's the one they brought up at the press conference, you know? Yep. Yeah, uh, so many good plays. Yeah, he's just so athletic for a D lineman. I I just think it's amazing. He just he I don't I don't have the stats in front of me. He had to have had a couple of picks. He did. Yeah, actually, it's very. He returned one. I thought his very first uh, NFL game. I remember it against the Bucks. He had a an interception. He re- returned it like sixty some yards. I don't think it was a touchdown. But he returned it quite a bit. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, he would just, you know, get those paws up there, whack the ball, and then just track it, come down with it. He had a couple. Of, he had one uh, uh, diving interception after he batted it at the line. And it was just like you just don't expect a guy that big <laughs> to to be that sort of quick in space. Amazing. Yeah. So the dude had five interceptions from the defensive tackle position for his career. Yeah. And Peter, your memory is impeccable. That first year, one interception for 60 yards. There you yeah. go. Oh, dang. That was right on the money. Yep. <laughs> he forced a bunch of fumbles, a decent amount of sacks. Decent amount of sacks, too, for, for a defensive tackle. But I think the biggest thing is he was such a presence. He was just such a presence in the run game. It's like, you shall not pass. He was just going to clog that hole. He was going to tackle you. Yep. Maybe for a loss, maybe for one or two yards. Really helped the length of Ray Lewis's career as well as he got older. You know, he can one of those guys like Sam Adams and Saragusa can just take up two offensive linemen at once, make it easier for the linebackers to roam around there and yep. grab the running back. Yeah. You know, and the and the other thing too, I don't know if you mentioned how many sacks he had, Alec, but um you know, he, he definitely gave a presence in pass rush that Frankly, I mean, we don't. We're kind of missing that right now. I mean, that's kind of why we were talking about Gerald McCoy, right? Is we're 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 missing that kind of player. Nato was that kind of player for us. Very good at the run, but also he could put some pass rush on you. You know, he could flush you out of the pocket. He may not get a sack, but he'll uh, he'll make those quarterbacks think twice about stepping up in the pocket. He had 32 sacks in his career, 32 and a half, 25 and a half as a Raven in nine seasons. So he wasn't a huge impact from the sack perspective, but I think he got a lot of pressures. If we look at his quarterback hits, his quarterback hits 91 in nine years. Pretty good. It'll be well-deserved, man. Definitely deserving. Interesting question. Do we think that Haloti Nada is, uh, is Canton-bound? Does he have a shot at getting a gold jacket? I think he has a shot, but I don't think... I honestly think the bar to get into Canton is a little too low right now personally now maybe that's just because i've watched a lot of football at this point in my career and i'm like oh i don't think these guys are as they're not hall of famers like they were great players but they weren't hall of famers i i don't know i would say nada is not a hall of famer in my opinion i think it's tough to say from the defensive line position for for fans to really make that assessment because that position doesn't get super flashy stats like a free safety would have with like interceptions or a receiver has with yak yards or stuff like that. That's a good point. That's a good point. It is. It's, it's harder to say for linemen from our bias. I mean, Haloti Nada, like I said, helped elongate the career of a guy who is already in Canton, Ray Lewis. I think if you put that for him, that helps him out. A lot of pro bowls, a lot of all pro mentions, got a super bowl ring. I'm going to put this out there, okay? Let's listen to this part, this fact. All the people I've ever bought jerseys for have been in the Hall of Fame so far. The only people unproven are Nada and Mosley. Now, I think Mosley, I'm losing my track record. But Nada, I might still get in. Because <laughs> I had Ray Lewis, I had Suggs. Oh, man. Or not, what what about had, the your number 10 Pulianis jersey? Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> Ring of Honor, Hall of Fame, a legend in the Baltimore community. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's yeah. I don't know. I, I as a Raven man, Ahlodi is in certainly deserving of the Ring of Honor. If the Ravens had a Hall of Fame, he'd be in it. A lot of really great highlights, a lot of impact plays for us. I don't. I just don't see him having the stats or the longevity to make it to the Hall of Fame. To be honest, you know, I, I think yeah. I think for a long time Sizzle was kind of on the border. He was below Demarcus Ware in terms of sacks. You know, ever everyone would always talk about Demarcus Ware. Oh, he's got so many sacks, so many sacks, and Sizzle. You know, uh, Julius Peppers is another one who had so many, so many sacks. You know, and he, way above Sizzle, and people were always overlook Sizzle. But then it hit, I think this time, maybe like last year, the year before, where all of a sudden you started playing, started hitting like that, I guess, 13, 14 year mark, 15 year mark. And it's like, OK, wait a minute. Hold on. Now he's actually in the conversation to be in the Hall of Fame. And I feel like now the NFL community is is kind of locked in onto Sizzle being a Hall of Famer just because of that longevity. And fortunately, Nada didn't have that longevity. And, you know, he definitely doesn't have the stats being a D lineman. So I, I just... I find it really hard to to say he's all, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. I think you put it really well, Chris. Candidly, I never really thought that Suggs was a transcendent enough player to call a Hall of Famer. But like you said, his longevity is really what makes him special. The fact that he's still relevant this late into his career is why we're having the conversation. Right. That's kind of a crazy thing when you think about it, too. That is such a big part of the conversation hall of fame conversation is how the good players play on the tail end of their careers really that's true you, know, you could be you could be a really great player for your first contract maybe even in your second contract but if you kind of fade out after that you're probably not making the hall but you get a third contract you get a fourth you get up there and in, in age and all of a sudden it's like okay wait a minute you've been around long enough this is actually, you know, we got to start talking about, you know, where you fall in the, in the the Hall of Fame ranks. So it's definitely interesting. I think it's also worth saying, like, if you take out the two years of injury, the guy was a beast. <laughs> I mean, you just look at his sacks out of control. Even even just two years ago, he had 11 sacks. It's pretty high. And impact plays, forced fumbles, quite high. 2011, seven forced fumbles leading the league it's it's impressive so I, I i always thought that he maybe he wasn't but again it's really difficult sometimes you start taking these players for granted when you watch them every week you're like yeah they're really good but if you look around the nfl like no one's playing like that true that i think we're definitely spoiled as ravens fans oh just, absolutely we, we, we're used to we're used to ball or defensive players and then they go to other teams and maybe they're not as great <laughs> but <laughs> Like Adelius Thomas, oh, when they were he here, stayed. when the band was together, man, they were so good. Imagine Adelius Thomas if he had stayed a Raven. I feel as though he might have been a legendary oh, player. He he would have. Adelius Thomas is still one of my all-time favorite Ravens. Loved him when he was here. Very underrated Raven, in my opinion. Maybe that's another topic for some future podcast. Probably not next week, but maybe like all-time underrated Ravens. Yeah, I like I that. like that idea. Let's start listening them up. Cool. I'm going to put the note. We do want to leave you guys with a teaser of next episode. Thank you again for listening. If you've been enjoying the podcast, let us know. Leave a review in the iTunes store, for instance. That really helps us get more notability in the community. And 
hopefully more people will listen to what we have to say. But next episode, we want to talk about John Harbaugh. It wasn't too long ago that there were concerns that maybe he wouldn't be the coach anymore. It was time to move on. So we want to ask the question, is John Harbaugh the right coach for the Ravens of the future, particularly during this retooling season? So we're going to tackle that next episode. And maybe even talk about the punter situation. One of our listeners sent us an interesting article suggesting that perhaps it's time to move on from Sam Cook and look in other directions, look at a cheaper option. Perhaps Sam Cook is no longer what he used to be. I'm going to leave my opinion out of it, but it was an interesting article, I think. I agree. I looked at the article. I definitely have some thoughts on it. I want to save that for a future podcast. <laughs> future podcast. Tune in, guys. Tune in.